As we get started this morning, uh, some of you already know, many of you probably don't know yet, but uh, our pastor, Brother Tom, is leaving early in the morning uh, to go on a mission trip to the Philippines. And so uh, before we go any further in our service today, I want to ask Brother Tom if you will just come and stand right here at the front. If there's some of you, or can everybody come, but if some of you would like to come and lay hands on our pastor, we just want to have a a prayer time right now as uh, we pray for him and, and send him off. Let's pray together. Father, just as the church at Antioch laid hands on Paul and Silas and Barnabas and sent them away, Lord, we we lay hands on Brother Tom. Lord, I thank you for opening this door. Lord, we pray that you would continue to open doors throughout the entire time that he's there, that you will open a door that that no one can shut. And Lord, as he goes to to share in in a... different language with a different culture Lord I thank you that the, the, the message of salvation is the same in every language the same in every land and that one day before your throne there will be people there from, from every tribe and every nation and so Lord I thank you in advance for the spiritual fruit that you're going to give brother Tom during these days in the Philippines Lord keep him safe keep Miss Paula safe while he's gone And, Lord, bringing home excited about what you've done and excited about what you're going to continue to do through his life and ministry here at Indian Springs. We thank you for him. We thank you for loving him. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to share God's Word today. Uh, uh, Brother Mark's going to be sharing next week because Brother Tom and I are both going to be gone. We're both going to be in third world countries. He's going to be in the Philippines, and I'm going to be in Mississippi. And so, uh, so we'll, we'll both be gone, and, and Mark's going to be sharing with you next week. So it's going to be a great... Just kidding, Mississippi folks, all right? I take a lot of Alabama jokes, so I thought I'd give a little back, all right? <laughs> but it's good to be here today. Hey, would you help me do something, Okay. I know your mama taught you never to point, but I want you to, I want you to take your point, pointing finger. I want you to hold it up, okay? All right, everybody, there we go. All right, now, when I count to three, I'm going to tell you to do something, okay, and you do it. One, two, three. Everybody point north. Some of you are doing this. Wait a minute. North is that way, right? <laughs> do, do, do we sometimes struggle a little bit with, with directions, which, which direction is north, south, east, or west, how to get from where we are to where we need to be. You know, you know God helped us with that in, in, in one way. He, you know, one thing we can use when we need help with directions is, is we, can, you know, we can pull out a map, right? And we can look at it and try to figure it out, and, and we can use the map. God, God gave us a map. He, he gave us a road map when he, when he gave us his word, right? When he gave us the Bible. But even sometimes when we, when we have the Bible, uh, sometimes maybe we still struggle a little bit with, uh, with, with what direction to go, where, where God wants us to be. And so, you know, a few years ago, uh, they came out with something better than a map. 
called a GPS. How many of you have a GPS? Miss Peggy, you got a GPS? Yeah, good, good. What does GPS stand for? Global positioning something, right? And, and so you, you can punch in there where you want to go, and, and he or she tells you how to get there, right? They, they even put it on your, on your iPhone now, right? Now, isn't, isn't, isn't Siri wonderful? But you know, Siri cannot understand an Alabama accent, okay? I'll say, Bryant, and I cannot find Bryant, Arkansas, you know? I didn't say Bryant, I said, Bryant, Arkansas. Sometimes even with the GPS, it's hard, but it's much easier with the GPS, right? You know, God knew that, that we would need help. And so not only did he give us a map, did he give us the Bible, but, but he gave us something even better to act as our, our GPS as we, we journey through this life that he's called us to. And he, he's given us his, his Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14. Hopefully they will sound a little familiar to you because this is where we were last week as, uh, as Brother Tom shared from these verses. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. Would you stand with me as we read these verses out of God's Word? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In Him you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. You may be seated. God gave us His Holy Spirit. And His Holy Spirit act sort of like a GPS that he's put in our life. Now, how is the Holy Spirit like a GPS? Well, I believe these verses and a couple other verses that we're going to look at show us exactly how the Holy Spirit is the GPS in our lives. First of all, the, the, the Holy Spirit is, is my GPS because he, he, he guides me. He guides me. There, there's a, a, a verse of, of Scripture, uh, John chapter 16, verse 13. Jesus is, is telling his disciples. He said, there's, I, got, I got a lot of things I want to share with you, but, but you're not ready for it yet. But when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He said, I'm going to send you a guide. I, I'm going to send you a GPS. I'm going to send you someone who will, who will walk along Side you. The Holy Spirit guides me. Now, now how does he guide? You say, well, if he, if he guides me, how does he guide me? Well, the scripture is also very, very clear about that. And in, in, in John chapter 14, verse 26, he says it this way. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So, so how does he guide me? Well, well first of all, he, he guides me by, by teaching me the truth. Because even God's word on my own, I couldn't understand it, right? The Holy Spirit inspired the men to write it in the first place, and he has to illuminate it for me so that I can understand it. That's why lost people can't read the Bible and understand it. 
Because the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live within them. But because the Spirit of truth lives within us, we can read it and He, and he teaches us the truth. He, he illuminates the Word for us. And, and then, then also he, he, he helps me to, to remember. He said He will guide you into all truth, He will teach you all things, and He will bring those things to your remembrance. Remember that verse we used to learn in Bible school every year? Thy word have a hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Boy, Wednesday night when we had our uh, Awana Awards and all these children coming up on stage and all the many verses and scriptures and things that they've learned uh, during this year in Awanas, it's amazing of all of God's Word that He's entrusted to them and, and, and put in their heart. And, and the Holy Spirit takes that Word and, and, and He brings it to our remembrance. The Holy Spirit, even He's a guide because He even helps me to pray because sometimes I don't know how to pray. I don't know what, I ask, what to ask for. Sometimes my prayers can be very selfish. And the Holy Spirit living within me on the inside takes my imperfect prayers and, 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 and makes them perfect before the Father. He's my guide. It, it's almost like carrying around a, a, a counselor with you at all times. Isn't that what he's called, a counselor? One who will walk alongside us? Now, why would God need to give us a counselor? Because he knew that there were going to be times when we just didn't get it. And we'd need some help. You don't get it, don't you? Just sometimes we just don't get it, right? And we have to have help. I reminded of the couple that, you know, they've, they've been married for 35 years. And they were having some struggles. And so they went to see a Christian counselor. And they sat down in front of that counselor, and the counselor said, what's wrong? He turned to the man first, and he said, what's wrong? So a typical man's response, I don't know. And so then he turned to the woman, what's wrong? And so she begins a litany of things that are wrong. I don't feel loved. I don't feel appreciated. I feel undervalued. And he, he doesn't care about me, and, blah, and just on and on and on. And finally, the counselor just got up, and he walked around the desk, and he said to her, stand up a moment. And she stood up, and he just kissed her long and passionately right on the mouth. And she sat down speechless. And the counselor turned to her husband and said, Do you see that? She needs that three times a week. Can you do that? And he said, Well... I could have her here on Monday and Wednesday, but I go fishing on Friday. <laughs> Sometimes we just don't get it. It doesn't sink in. God had to put somebody within us to help us, to help us to get it. How's the Holy Spirit like my GPS? He, he guides me. But, but more than just the fact that He guides me, he possesses me. We are a possessed people. You know, isn't it, isn't it amazing how, how some of the things that, that go around? Right now, it seems that there's just like this fascination with vampires. You know, I, I, I don't understand that, but it seems like every movie's got a vampire or two in it, right? I mean, there was a time, remember, it was all about, you know, horror movies with demon possession, right? It was about people being possessed. 
Well, you know, as believers, we are possessed. We are possessed by the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to notice Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 right there. You got your Bibles open to it. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. You see, before we came to know Christ, we were dead. That's why we didn't decide to be saved. We were dead. Dead people don't decide to do anything. But God loved us. God saved us. God, God brought us up. And, and the Spirit lifted us from, from, from death into life. Not only did He bring me from death to life, but He came to live within me. The moment I was saved, God put in me a GPS. He put in me the Holy Spirit of God. Isn't that what 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says? That don't you know that your body is a, a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? The moment you were saved, you received the Holy Spirit. It's real simple. If the Holy Spirit's not living within you, you're not saved. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you. He is your GPS. God put him in you the moment you were saved because he knew that you would need him. He knew that you would need someone to help you. He came to live within me. But I want you to notice, not only did he bring me from death to life and come to live within me, but what our, what our scripture says today is he sealed me. Isn't that what verse 13 says at the very end there? He said, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise. You, you were sealed. Now, now the idea was, was back in that day when, when a letter was written, they, they, would, they would take that letter and, and they would roll it up and instead of putting it in an envelope like we would and lick it and, and, and close the envelope, they would wrap it up and then they would take a seal out of wax and they would put it on that letter and it would be sealed and when you got your mail when you got your letter if that seal was broken you knew your mail had been read and and even the the the, the wealthy people or governor officials they even had what was called signet rings and they would have rings with their own seal sort of like a notary stamp and they would put that signet ring in that hot wax and and they would seal it and when you got it not only would you see that it was official but you would see who it was from you see, when God saved you, he, he put his notary stamp on you. When, when God saved you, he put his mark on you. When God saved you, he branded you. Just, just like out in West Texas, they'll take those cattle and shh, they'll put that brand on them to show what rancher uh, on, on what ranch that the cattle belong to. When you were saved, God branded you with the Holy Spirit that says, this person belongs to me. This person is mine. He put that global positioning system inside the Holy Spirit to say, hey, this person is mine, and so no one else can have him. I belong to him because the Holy Spirit lives within me. I've got his mark on me. I've got his brand on me. Not only does that seal signify possession, but it also signifies protection. Last night I was opening some vitamins, and I noticed on the outside of the, of the bottle it said, do not open if seal has been broken. Because it shows that someone has tampered with it, there may be something in there you don't need. In other words, it's got to have an unbroken seal. You see, when God seals you, no one, nothing can ever break that seal. 
because you belong to him. Once you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, once he saves you, you can't ever be lost again. You can't ever lose that seal. You didn't do anything to get yourself saved and you can't do anything to get yourself lost because you belong to him. That seal is there. It signifies protection and it also signifies permanence. You are sealed. What's the scripture say? You are sealed for the day of redemption. You're sealed forever. You're, you're going to be sealed. Last week, Brother Tom talked about justification and sanctification and glorification. Glorification's in the future. Justification's in the past. Sanctification's happening right now. But we're being sealed until that day of glorification when we go to be with Him. We, we have His mark on us. We can't ever, it won't ever come off because we belong to Him. But, but not only did He seal me but but notice the scripture here says that he's my guarantee notice verse 14 who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession that glorification to the praise of his glory he's my guarantee he's my down payment he's my deposit he's my pledge how many of you reading from the King James what's what's the King James say he is my what Earnest, remember earnest money? Money that you would put down as a, as a down payment, as a deposit to say, number one, hey, there's more where that came from. And I'm going to leave this with you as a deposit, as an earnest, that I am going to come back with the rest and I'm going to take my possession home. You see, when God saved you and he put his Holy Spirit in your life, he said, this is my guarantee. What did he say to his disciples before he died? He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. And the Holy Spirit in my heart is God's guarantee that he's going to come back, that he's a man of his word, that he's going to come back and get what he promised he would get. I got word from home this week that uh, my junior high and high school science teacher passed away. They'd ask about me coming back for the funeral, but just had so many things going on, and the funeral was going to be like the next day, and I just couldn't do it. But it reminded me as I was thinking about Mr. Thurlow and, and I was studying for this passage, it reminded me of an of a, of a interaction that he and I had. It, I think it was at the end of the seventh grade. Mr. Uh, Mr. Thurlow had a motorcycle. Rich, it was, a, it was a red 1972 Honda CB100. I still remember it. And he wanted $200 for that motorcycle. That was a lot of money back then. $200. And it was nice and shiny and pretty. And, and I needed a motorcycle because I had to have a way to get back and forth to football practice in the fall. And so I went to Mr. Thurlow and said, Mr. Thurlow, I want to buy that motorcycle. And he said, well, Don, it's $200. And I said, well, Mr. Thurlow, I don't have $200, but I got $40. But if you will hold that motorcycle for me and not sell it for anybody else, I'll give you this $40 because I'm working every day this summer. And I'm going to be making big money, $10 a day. And I'm going to work all summer, and at the end of the summer, I'll have that $200. 
He said, okay, I'll take you 40. I'll hold the motorcycle because I... And you come get it at the end of the summer. He said, I can't let you go ahead and take it because you might wreck it or, you know, I'd be liable. But I tell you what I will do. You can come by every afternoon when you get off work and you can ride it out back in my pasture if you want to. And so I'd go by occasionally and ride my motorcycle. And I'll never forget that day, the first day or the day before football practice started, that I had my $160 and I was able to go and knock on Mr. Thurlow's door and say, Mr. Thurlow, Here's the $160. And I got to get on my motorcycle, and that very first day of football practice, I got to ride my red 1972 red Honda 100 to football practice. But he held that all summer. And that motorcycle, in my mind, it was mine. I just hadn't took it home yet. And when God put his Holy Spirit within us, he put down the guarantee. He put down the earnest money. We belong to him. We're still here. We ain't home yet. But one day, he's coming back, and he's going to take us home. We know that because the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. He guides me. He possesses me. But also, he sanctifies me. You see, when, when, when God saved me, he, he changed me. He, he changed my, my spiritual DNA. Now, now sanctify literally means to be set apart, to be made holy. Because when God saved us, when he, when he raised us from death to life, when he, when he changed us and, and, and put that new spiritual DNA in us, then he, he, he set us apart. You know, the, the word for saint comes from the same word that, that we get sanctification from. It, it means simply to be set apart. All of it, there's at least 56 times in the Bible where the believers are called saints. You know that you're a saint? You say, well, I've never been called a saint before. In fact, why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, hello, I'm, I'm saint, and put your name in there. I'm Saint Don. Saint Tom sitting right there on the front row. <laughs> We're saints. Now that doesn't mean that we're perfect, obviously. But it does mean that we're being made perfect. It does mean that, that we've been set apart, that we are being made holy. It means that we're set apart. We're different. Let me, let me share a couple things with you about sanctification. First of all, sanctification is, is once and complete. It is the finished action of being made holy. It's done. Let me share a second thing with you. Sanctification is continual and progressive. It is a daily process of growth. So wait a minute, preacher, you just said two different things. <laughs> I do that all the time, right? Okay, two different things. Have you, have you noticed how so many times in the Bible there are apparent paradoxes? Jesus said, hey, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be great, you're going to be a leader, you've got to be a servant. If you want to gain your life, you've got to lose your life. All kinds of paradoxes. Well, well sanctification, there's a, there, there, there's a paradox that, that, that says, hey, 
I have been set apart. I, I, I have been sanctified, but at the same time, I'm being sanctified. There, there's a verse that points it out in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Notice we see both aspects of it right here in this one verse. For by one offering, Jesus Christ dying on the cross, for by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. In other words, when Jesus saved me, he, he set me apart. He sanctified me. But it's an ongoing process. All these folks that are going to be baptized today, they're, they're going to be come up, they're going to be justified. They, they symbolize that they've been declared righteous by God, but it doesn't mean they're perfect. Because they've got a lot of, a lot of growing to do. Basically, we can say, I'm a sanctified person who is being sanctified. I am a holy person who is being made holy. Someone said it this way, God loves me just the way I am, but He loves me too much to let me stay that way. He's working in us. On the inside, He, he, he guides us, he, he, he possesses us. He sanctifies us. He starts changing us. When he, when he saved me, He made me into a brand new creation. He changed my spiritual DNA. Nothing, nothing that I did, it was, it was all that He did. And, and as He changed me and as he, as, as he saved me, though, then He began to work in my life. In fact, as Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, he said, God's will for you is your sanctification. It's a process for every single believer. Now, I found sometimes, though, as we, as we talk about sanctification, we, we sometimes try to fall into to one of two extremes. The, the, the first extreme is, is that of legalism. And, and by legalism, it's almost like we, we, we get caught up in, in I've got to make myself better. I've got to be more, more disciplined. I've got to be more dedicated. I've I got to be more committed. I've I, I got to beat it into myself. Now, we all know that we're supposed to discipline ourselves spiritually. We're to read the Word. We're to spend time in prayer. We're, we're to, to be a part of a small group. We're to, we're to take part in worship with other believers. There are a lot of spiritual disciplines that we need to be a part of. But... but being sanctified is, is, is not about us trying to make ourselves better. That's legalism. We, we, just make it, we just make our walk with the Lord to be religion again and, and, and ritual again. And, and when we do that, when we get legalistic, we, we lose our joy. <laughs> you ever notice how it seems like a lot of Christians don't look all that happy sometimes? We lose our joy. But then on the other extreme is, is what, for lack of a better word, I call liberalism. That's the person that says, well, hey, since I'm saved, and since the preacher told me that once I'm saved, I'll never be unsaved, I ain't going to worry about it at all. You know, I'd just soon be at the ball field as a church house. I'd just be soon reading a novel as the Word of God. I'd just soon be talking on the cell phone as praying, so I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to do whatever I want to do and, and, you know, just live it easy. The problem with that is then you begin to lose your fellowship with the Father. 
And you miss the joy of the closeness of the relationship that you enjoy as a, as a child with a father. On, on one hand, you lose your joy. On the other hand, you, you lose your fellowship. Some, some, somewhere in the middle is where we need to be, right? Where, where we allow the, the Holy Spirit to, 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 to work in, in, in our lives. You see, sanctification is not the process of me trying really hard to be what I'm not. It's not about me trying to be good or trying to be better. It's not about me trying to be what I'm not. It's a process of learning to live out what I already am. What God saved me to be. What God called me to be. It's it's a process and it is a lifelong process. It's not a six-week study course. It's not a two-week church camp. It's not being faithful to be at church every Sunday morning for a while. It's a process that begins the moment we get saved and it continues on until that final day of redemption when God comes back for us and He changes us and He makes us to be just like Jesus. How's the Holy Spirit my GPS? He guides me. He possesses me. He sanctifies me. And He's doing that 24-7. Whether I want Him to or not. Whether I like it or not. Whether I'm cooperating or not. He is at work in my life. So if God has placed within us a GPS, what do we do? Simple. Listen to your GPS. Listen to Him. You see, you you don't want to, first of all, you don't want to quench the Spirit. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4.19, don't quench the Spirit. I believe we quench the Spirit by not doing what He tells us to do. He tells us to do something. He leads us to do something through God's Word in our prayer time, and we don't do it. Every time we don't do that, we're quenching the Spirit. We're not putting wood on the fire. The fire is going out. Neither should we grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Spirit. How do we grieve the Spirit? I believe by doing what He tells us not to do. In other words, sometimes He tells us to do stuff, and we don't do it. Sometimes He tells us not to do stuff, and we do it. Paul even struggled with that, right? And when we do those, we're quenching the Spirit or we're grieving the Spirit. We're not doing what we should supposed to do. And we hear our GPS say, do a legal U-turn. Turn around. Sometimes it's sin of omission. Sometimes it's sins of commission. But our GPS is always working, saying, not right, not right. You need to turn. So what do we do? Well, if we don't quench the Spirit, we don't grieve the Spirit, we walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Quite simply, listen to your GPS. Listen to that still, small voice that God puts in your life. Sometimes people wrongly, I think, refer to it as their conscience. Sometimes they wrongly refer to it as their feelings. 
but He is living within us, helping us to know what to do. All we have to do, He makes it easy, right? All we have to do is do it. What happens when we do it? Well, there's a verse, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. tells us what happens when we listen to the GPS. Our lives will be characterized by these things. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and and self-control. All of those characteristics will be evident in the life of the believer who is following their GPS. And listening to Him as He changes us from the inside out. We have a guide who possesses us. Who is constantly sanctifying us to make us be who God wants us to be. Would you bow your head just for a moment very quickly? I'm going to ask as we prepare to pray right now. that Those of you that are preparing for baptism, if you will. Go ahead and go to the dressing room.